Well, we're going to pick right back up. The guys did a good job, I, from my understanding, of filling in. So, and I understand you had some excitement with a couple visiting. So, um, that's okay. You know, it happens. But uh, we, it uh, sounds like everything went well and so forth. So, I'm always grateful for the guys who can fill in. That allows me to be able to go and participate in the, in the weekends and stuff like that. Um, we have a, I have another weekend at the end of April, uh, going back to Chicago. And then uh, June will be the big one because Linda and I will be on our cruise. I think there's three Sundays in a row there. So the guys will, I told Keith, I said, you're up, you got a series. Three, three of them. You know, I told Nick, Brian, I said, you got three right there, man, all together. So, uh, you know, get dust out the, the old teaching uh, material. But, uh, yes, sir. If they, yeah, if they do, we will. But that, that virus isn't anywhere near Alaska. So, <laughs> so well, uh, if they decide to do that, then they decide to do that. I can't control that. So. I could. Hey, that would be great. You're, see you guys later. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. there's just some things you just don't, can't really worry about or else you're, you don't go on with living life if you constantly worry about stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, <laughs> well, I understand it's a pretty severe thing, um, but it's something that it happens, you know, and you just got to stay out of the paranoia, the drama field with it. And, but obviously, if it happens to you, it's a little different. That's why that, that verse that Paul talks about, I was over there in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When you look at things, it's only the, in the moment that it's the, oh, no, you know, and that's what it is. It's a moment, and uh, next hour we're going to start talking about eternal glory and, and glory. And when you put it in perspective to eternity, it is literally only for the moment. And we, we get so upset. Come back to Romans 1. We get so involved in the moment, and we tend to lose the big picture. And unfortunately... That's how we live. That's the mind, makeup of our mindset as, as human. But uh, when you back up and keep the proper biblical perspective, it's a lot of there, then uh, you can uh, step back and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, there's something bigger going on here than just in the moment. You know, they're worried about that corona uh, and they worry about, you know, the flu kills more people than the, that virus has in this, in this country, you know, and yet, so anyway, again, it's all perspective, and if they cancel the cruise, then I get my money back, and that's okay, and we'll do it again another time, so, but uh, I am, again, thankful for the guys filling in and so forth, and uh, June's coming at the end of April is the weekend I'll be gone, and June will be gone for the cruise. So, um, And I'm also grateful that you guys are here and fill up the seats for them and help them out, okay? 
All right, Romans chapter number one. We got down through verse number 10 last time. I just want to pick back up reading here in verse 8 and uh, touch on a couple things really to remind us and then uh, look at verse number 11 and 12. We're still in the introduction to the book, and I realize this is lesson 15, if my count is right, and we're still just plugging along here because as Paul introduces this foundational book, usually what happens when you study the book of Romans is you run through this to run to get to verse 16, Okay, about, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then you run to verse 18, so we can talk about the wrath. And then you run all the way down to chapter 3, verse 23. I mean, and you just skip over all this information that's critical. Then you run through verse chapter 4, because you like that thing about its faith alone. Then we get over in chapter 5, and we like the eternal security stuff, so we stop. But we've skipped too much, and I don't really want to do that with you. And I want to take our time and looking at things, and, and uh, we'll speed up a little bit, obviously, because some of this is pretty straightforward. But when you get down here into these verses in the introduction, the purpose, he's talking to the people, to, to all that be at Rome, verse 7. Beloved of God, called to be saints. You know, that's who he's talking to, the saints. And I know that a lot of people have a hard time with, well, he's talking to saints and yet he's telling them they're sinners and all that. But to be able to be that ambassador, you have to understand humanity. And you have to understand where humanity is, why it's going the route it's going. You know, it's, going to get wor it's getting worse and worse. What's going on? Why? Because they're depraved. They're, they are depraved. Okay? Grace and peace to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Again, their faith, is, he's thankful for them. He's going to be praying for them here. So he's got some thanksgiving for them. The, their faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Again, it's a worldwide ministry to all the nations. Verse 9, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. And, and again, Paul is constantly praying for, for others, for the churches. Over there in 2 Corinthians 11, at the end of a long list of, of physical perils that came at Paul, he, he says, Const, uh, the care of the churches daily. So he always had the churches out there and the, and the saints on his mind and on his heart. Verse 10, making request. So there's going to be a petition here. If by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you and me. Uh, and me. Now I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but I but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. And I know we looked last time at that issue of, 
I long to see you, I'm trying to get to you, I'm hindered from getting to you. And the, end of, and, and the adversary is the one that hindered Paul. And we, I know we spent time looking all through the book of Acts and everything. And in verse number 10, Paul constantly wanted to see the people. He constantly wanted to be around the saints. He constantly wanted to be involved with them. And when the adversary hindered him, he couldn't get to Rome. Now, he does get to Rome just not in the manner he wanted to. See, he wanted to go to Rome on his chapter 15 over there. Look over at Romans 15. And again, this is just kind of review for you, for us in our thinking here. Romans 15, <clears throat> verse 22, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now having no more place In these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. He's trying to get to them. By the way, verse 1 of chapter 16, I commend unto you Phoebe, our servant, which is a servant of the church, which is at Caesarea there, in Corinth area. He sends the book ahead, but he does eventually show up. But he shows up shackled to the Roman guard, to the centurion. He does get there. So when you come back to chapter 1, verse 10, when he talks about a prosperous journey there, he's again, he's talking about having a successful journey, a journey where he can go and spend time with the saints and do, but, but he doesn't get to get there the way he wanted to, but yet he does get there. But the interesting thing there at the end of verse number 10 is that that prosperous journey, and it's by the will of God to come unto you. And that's very interesting to me how he says that. By the will of God. C come over to Ephesians um, chapter 1. If, it, did, did we look at this last time? Anybody remember? <laughs> with, uh, with being under the weather as, as long as I've been, it's hard to remember yesterday, but I do remember yesterday. Ephesians 1, verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. See that the will of the Father, the, the God's will has been revealed, it's been made known. And he would have you to, to have that life of some clean living, uh, over there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he, he tells the Thessalonians in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 3, This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know, know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud a brother in any matter, and off he goes. God's will for you, come over to chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, to have that life, clean life, clean living is, issue. Chapter 5, verse 16, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So there's some things there about the will of God. Come back to Romans 1. By the way, in Ephesians uh, the, you know, you, you, the, the instructions of the 
the air came on. I feel it. I don't know why, but it did. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> okay. Well, you got one out of the crowd. <laughs> but uh, in Ephesians there about, you know, being the servant and, and, and working that job as the will of, for, for, under Christ and not as men pleasers. Why? That's the will of God. So back here in Romans 1, when Paul makes this issue up, makes this issue about that I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you, th- there's a thing there in, in that he, he's like, I want to have a successful journey to come down there to you, and, but it's going to be by the plan over here for what's going on. And for Paul, what was going on at that time, we, we looked through Acts, I know we did, he's under tremendous pressure and persecution. He, the Holy Spirit has told him, don't you go to Jerusalem. He went anyway, but it's interesting, the Spirit didn't knock him down dead, by the way. The Spirit just said, okay, you're going to go down there, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be thrown in jail, <laughs> and you're going to be in bonds, and you know, then maybe you can get over here and do this. He laid it out for him. So when you look at this, go back to Romans 1, then he says in verse 11, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That is, what is it to be established? That I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, when he says there in verse 11, again, I long to see you. He's trying to get to them. His desire has always been to see the saints in the flesh. Okay, But notice that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Now, the spiritual gift thing there is not 1 Corinthians 12. Come over to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, <clears throat> verse number 1. Usually when he says spiritual gift, everybody goes, oh, 1 Corinthians 12. And it's not that. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. By the way, in Romans 1.13, we're going to have an ignorant brethren statement. Here's, here's one. Of, there's six of them that Paul makes about ignorant brethren not being there. Here's, here's one of them. Now, so we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Now, watch verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now watch. For to one is given by the who? The Spirit. The one that lays out the spiritual gifts is the Holy Spirit, not Paul. So when you come back to Romans 1... What does he say? That I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. This isn't the gift system. It's something different. Come over to chapter 12 of Romans as you come down through here. Chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. So when he talks here about the spiritual gift, he's not talking about the gift system. Okay, Acts or 1 Corinthians 12, nor is he talking about Romans 12, verse 3. Notice 
For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Well, that's great advice. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Who, who gave every man that measure of faith? God did. The Holy Spirit does. So then what is Paul dealing with back in Romans 1 when he says, I want to impart unto you some spiritual gift here? Well, he's talking about doctrine. That's what he's talking about. I want to give you some doctrine. Now, doctrine is a spiritual gift. Okay? Come back over with me. You're in Romans. We'll just keep it in Romans. Look at Romans 15 and get Romans 16. Romans 15, but Romans 16 as well. Romans 15 and verse number 27, 26, 25. Let's start there. Romans 15, 25. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. All right? Why are there poor saints at Jerusalem now? Well, in act, well look at verse 27. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. So here are members of the body of Christ looking at what's going on in Jerusalem and the time, and they say, they make a statement here. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their, what kind of things? Spiritual things. Their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. So the body of Christ is understanding something. What, why are there poor saints in Jerusalem? Because they sold out, they're doing their program, and then God interrupts that program, and he starts the dispensation of grace. That left these folks in what condition? Poor saints. So the folks at Macedonia and Achaia are learning, are growing in the doctrine, and they say, hey, our job is to take care of those poor saints over there. Do you remember in Acts 15 when Peter and the boys meet with Paul? And they constantly remind Paul to remember the poor. Have you ever wondered what they're talking about? It isn't the poor people on the street. You're the first to take care of the household of faith. <laughs> then you worry about everybody else. For first, it's internal. Okay? What, what are, why are they poor? Why are there poor people now among Peter and the guys? Because they were doing their program without any understanding that God's going to interrupt it. They had no clue to that. So the spiritual gifts here is the issues of doctrine, spiritual things that we're going to learn and we're going to grow. Look over at chapter 16, verse 25. 16:25. We're going to spend some time here in a minute. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, that's doctrine, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. That's doctrine. So when he, when he starts back here in verse 11, in the introduction, talking about seeing people, he, he sl slides in this purpose statement, if you will, of, hey, I want to impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established, e, established. I'm longing to see you, 
and I want to see you. I want to get down there. I want to help you grow up here a little bit. Uh, come, come over to 1 Thessalonians 3. 1 Thessalonians 3. I, I think about this issue about Paul. Paul understands that his epistles work and, and writing and so forth and that the word of God will work effectually in you that believe. But it's an interesting thing about he wanted to be in their presence in the moment. 1 Thessalonians 3 Paul's left at Athens. He sends Timothy back to those at Thessalonica. Verse number 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? Well, what was going on? He sent Timothy down there because the attack was on by the adversary, and he didn't want them to fall away. He, he didn't want their faith to be impacted negatively. Actually, if you look at verse 7, well, verse 6, But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, I love how he calls the giving there that they gave to Paul charity. Love in action. A movement here of the word motivating them, the, the doctrine motivating them. And that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, we as we also to see you. Notice how Paul wants to see them. 1 Thessalonians 3, 7. 3, 6, sorry. Paul wants to see them, just like he is in Rome. Romans, I want to see you, and I want you guys to have some maturity here. I want your, the impact to happen. Therefore, brethren, verse 7, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Notice what got Paul through the, 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 the onslaught at Athens was a good report from Timothy that they were maintaining the faith. It's just like that thing in, in, in Corinthians when he's in 2 Corinthians 2 and when he doesn't find Titus, then he's comforted by the coming of Titus. Why? Because he, he's worried that everything isn't right, there's something wrong, and now everything's good to go. Verse 8, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face, and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Notice that's a question. It's not a statement. Paul's whole goal and the whole issue of him going to see someone, to see them, and to move towards them is an issue of maturity. It's an issue of perfecting them. And that was always first and foremost his goal. So when you come back here to Romans 1, verse 11, what's his goal? I want to come down there and see you guys so that we can perfect you. And we can, we can grow you up a little bit and mature you. Now, come back to verse 11, Romans 1. Because he's going to explain that. To the end ye may be established. That is, he's going to define establishment. He's going to define for you what it is. That is, <clears throat> that I may be comforted together with you 
by the mutual faith, both of you and me. What's he, got, what's he want to have? He wants to have some fellowship with them. He wants there to be some mutual faith back and forth. Now, you'll notice some things here in verse 11. That issue of establishment. That you may be established. We're going to start the process here. I, I think we looked at this um, back uh, a little bit. Establishment, E-S-T. It's talking about the process. Come over to chapter 16, verse 25. Notice here, it's now to him that's of power to establish you. Okay? And I know, you know, you hear, I understand that the dictionaries say they're the same words. And that's fine. I got no problem with that. But in Scripture, they're not the same. Okay? And I understand, in Scripture... Scripture is going to define for you what it is, okay? Our job in studying is going and finding those definitions and figuring that out. Because if, 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 he, if God wanted it to say established in both sections, what would it say? It would say that. But it doesn't say that. It says established and established. And I, I, I know what the guys say, and I know what people say. Well, you know, the changing of the spelling and all this. I understand that. I'm not saying, you know, an, okay, whoop-de-doo. But when you come into Scripture, the context is what's going to help decide for you how that word needs to be spelled. Not a dictionary. Unfortunately, the guys that go and run right to dictionaries to define their words make the dictionaries more important than the Word of God. They actually elevate it over, especially a King James Bible. You do that, they do that with all way and all ways. They do that with in-sample and example and many other words that are spelled similar. Dictionary defined, even the Webster's 1828, the one we all run to, says that they're the same. One's an old English, old archaic word, the other one... But yet, when you come into Scripture, they, they're not the same. We're in Romans 1. We're in verse 11, right? I want to establish you. There's a process here. Uh, come over with me to uh, 2 Samuel. Come back with me to 2 Samuel. I'll just show you 2 Samuel 7. A, a, a wonderful passage here. 2 Samuel 7, and it's something that, you know, again, I'm not mad at anybody. I just don't agree with them, okay? <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, they don't have to agree with me, and that's okay. Establishment, E-S-T, is talking about the process. And it's talking about the process of building and of getting something started and rolling with it coming to a permanent, established, stable scenario, okay? <clears throat> and I know what happens. The, some of the guys, some of the brothers say, well, you know, when you get done with Romans, then you've got to throw everything out because you're stable. And that's just tomfoolery, honestly, okay? Because what hap what, you're, we're all adults in this room, 
we constantly learn and grow, don't we? We constantly are changing. So as believers, we can do the same thing. You found 2 Samuel now, right? <laughs> okay, chapter 7. Look at verse 12 and 13. This is David. He's going to desire he's he's wanting to build the Lord's house. 2 Samuel 7:12. And when the when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee. I will proceed out of thy bowels, and I will eat, notice now, e established his kingdom. Okay? What's he going to do out of David's seed line? He's going to establish the process of setting up the what? The kingdom. Verse 12, verse 13. He, that's Solomon, will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Okay? If he's going to establish that throne forever, right? How long is that kingdom going to be in place? That's a permanency. Okay? Now, just so you can see how things are going to can be used interchangeably verse 15 I'm sorry verse 14 I will be his father and he shall be my son if he commit iniquity I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men but my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul whom I put away before thee the he here talking he's talking about Solomon, but he's also talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking about David's seed line. Okay? Verse 16. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be, notice, established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Isn't that interesting how we flip back to the word established? We've got the process of what? David's seed line setting up the what? The kingdom forever. And he says when that kingdom is set up, verse 13, it's established. Its permanency is there. Verse 14, I'm going to use your seed line. I'm going to use thine house and thy kingdom shall be what? That process of setting you up is going to be for how long? Forever. The promise and the issue is, is that that kingdom promised to the nation of Israel through the seed of David is for how long? Forever. And it's with one day it being established permanent on the ground out there in the new heaven and the new earth, for how long? Forever. So when you come back to Romans 1, the idea here, let me ask you something. Did the process of God establishing the Davidic kingdom end with Solomon? No. Where does it end? With the Lord Jesus Christ. How long does he last? Forever. When he says, I am the true vine. 
I am divine Israel, the nation of Israel. See, the process, it started with David. What did David do, by the way? God gave David the blueprints, and he goes in and he lays in all the stuff for Solomon to build the temple, to build everything. Then it's destroyed. It's gone. It's rendered. The five courses of judgment come and smack on it. But what was the promise? Forever. The process is ongoing until who comes and sits one day? The king. So in 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ when it's finalized. And he uses the word established. But in 15, 16, 14, 15, 16, he's talking about the process to get there. You follow that? Okay? All right. Go back to Romans 1. So Paul, verse 11, what does he say? Hey, guys, I'm gonna, I want to come down there and see you guys. I want to be around you guys. I want to be with you so that I can establish, I can get a process started with you of some doctrine that when, that when we're together, verse 12, that's going to produce a mutual faith, both of you and me. Okay? Now, come over to 16, Romans 16, verse 25. Romans 16, verse 25. <clears throat> now, to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Now that process has been what? Established, permanent, okay? The idea, you guys have all seen construction sites. Verse 11 in chapter 1, we're going to lay in the framework, the, what do they call those things? I just had it. Where they lay concrete. Forms, thank you. <laughs> okay? By the way, in Timothy he says, we're going to follow the form of sound words. We're going to follow the pattern. We're going to lay in the forms and now we're going to drop in the concrete, and when it's solidified, the foundation is permanent, now we're going to do what? Now we're going to build on that foundation. That's why I said this isn't, when we get the foundation laid, we're done, so just learn Romans, and that's all you need to know. No, you've got to understand some other things. So he lays in. In the book of Romans, he lays in those four pillars of the foundation, doesn't he? Remember, we went over these. In chapters 1 through 5, he lays in that issue of our justification, doesn't he? Look, folks, if you're going to do the work of an ambassador, you're going to do the work of an evangelist, you need to understand the issues of justification. Someone sat with you and gave you the gospel. You trusted the gospel. You believed the gospel. Now it's your turn to sit with someone else, family, friends, or un, you know, people you just run into. So you got an issue of justification. He lays that foundation in. Then he comes over and he says, hey, you've got an identity now. 
You've got a walk that's got to happen, and you've got to understand that walk. So here's sanctification, we call this, okay? You're, you're set apart. Here's your, here's your identity. Here's your walk. And by the way, just in case you think you're not Israel, uh, you think you're Israel, now here's the dispensational issues of what's going on with Israel today. What does Israel need today? They need to hear a preacher. They need to get saved by Paul's my gospel, don't they? So he lays in this issue. Then he comes over in that last foundational book, a section of 12 to 16, and he says, hey, here's how to take all the doctrine and have that grace walk working in you, having this identity of who you are in Christ working in you. It's interesting to me that it's not till chapter 8 that he talks about the Holy Spirit working and the activity of the Spirit in your life. Then in chapter 12, he reaches back in there and he says, hey, based on 11 chapters of doctrine, of laying in that foundation, now let's go work it out in life. How does this work? What does Romans 16.25 say? Now there's the power to establish you according to what? Here's my gospel, folks. Here it is. The whole of it, the foundation. He says, here it is. Here's the good news that I'm bringing to you. See, gospel, more than just your justification, but it's your sanctification. That, by the way, that should be an I, I, identity. I was thinking of Israel. I-D. Identity. He's like, hey guys, you need to know who you are. Here's my gospel. Right? There's the foundation. So he lays in this wonderful foundation of my gospel. It's got four pillars to it, four corners on it. The foundation is Christ. We know that from 1 Corinthians 3. Here it is. Then he says, and according to the preaching of the revelation of the mystery, uh, uh, preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. So then he drops in that next, well, what do you do on the foundation? You start building, don't you? What's the blueprint call for? I like single ranch, single level ranch homes. I hate two stories, okay? I just don't like the stairs. They're beautiful, don't get me wrong, looking at them now. But man, to climb those stairs every day, forget about it. I'd have one of those chairs that would wake you up, you know, okay? What do you do? He says, hey, now let's talk about the, the mystery, right? So he begins to lay in. I don't know if you've ever looked at the book of Ephesians. That's the, the book we're going to talk about. But you come on in, in Ephesians... Let's do it over here. That section is only two. That book is broken out in chapters one to three and four to six. We went from four to what? To two. Why? Because you don't need to understand this anymore. You're justified. You don't need to understand that anymore. You, you know you're not Israel. You're of who? The body. We just got to work, continue working here, don't we? Two, 
bring it right over. So here you have your calling. This is the book of Ephesians. There you have your calling. Here you have your conduct. Here you have your wealth. Here you have your walk. Like the W's. Here you have your doctrine. Here you have your duty. Here you have your blessing. Right? Here you have your behavior. And on and on and on you can keep going. But what did we do on our foundation? Well, now we're going to talk about the goal. Answer that question. We talked about it last weekend. Why is, what is God doing today? Why is he forming the church, the body of Christ? If you hang around next hour, we're going to introduce some of that to you and talk about it. Romans 16.25, there's another little tear to this. And it's called the issue of the scriptures of the prophets. Okay? And he talks about there the, the word of God and, and how the, the gift given to the prophets are going to bring in the scriptures and everything. But, but in, our case, in our study case here, how does all of this fit together with prophecy? Where do we come in and what do we begin to learn about in the book of Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, we begin to learn how that we didn't usurp the prophetic program, but rather we fit really nicely on, in, in it. So you have glory. You have Christ. You have the church. You have his coming. But it all goes based off of this, doesn't it? Because eventually our walk today in time is going to come to an end. And where are we going to go? To glory. You with me? You see? Okay. So to say that, hey, we're establishing, we're setting some things up for you. So that at the end over here, at the end of chapter 16, you've got a foundation permanently laid in that is unmovable. Whether you move away from it or not is not the issue. It is what? Unmovable. Now we're going to build on it. By the way, we have a rooftop to put on. We have called the pastoral epistles, Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And there we talk about godliness. And we talk about the congregation where we're at. Okay? Go back there to Romans. Well, come on over to 1 Timothy. So here's our foundation. Okay? Here's the issue, here's our fullness. The whole body 
good thing you're paying attention now. You come back to this later, you'll never understand it. Right? Here's our future. And here's our fellowship. Foundation, fullness, future, fellowship. Here's our faith. Here's our love. Here's our hope. And here's our fellowship. It's interesting. Faith, hope, and charity. And the biggest one is what? The biggest issue is this thing right here, what he's doing in the middle. What's he doing? He's establishing that church, the body of Christ, for a future out there in the heavenly places. Paul says, My, what I want to get done, I come down there because I got to have you guys solid, on solid footing. And I want to see you do that. And I want to see you move and advance. 2 Timothy chapter 3, you know the passage well, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, right? Reproof. Correction. Instruction in righteousness. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. So we have doctrine. By the way, reproof and correction, they contain doctrine. They do. Because if you're misbehaving, here's how you fix the misbehaving, and there's, here's the doctrine that's going to fix that bad behavior or bad doctrine. So reproof, bad behavior, correction, bad doctrine. You, you with me? So this is the book of Romans. The greatest commentary on Romans is First and Second Corinthians and Galatians. You don't need Stam's book. Just read these books. Three chapters a day, and you're good for 28 days, right? Thank you. Okay. The book of Ephesians is a book of doctrine. Greatest commentary on Ephesians is Philippians, reproof book, and Colossians, the correction book. Okay? Thessalonians is a book of doctrine. Well, in Thessalonians, every chapter in 1 Thessalonians deals with the rapture. So if we go home, guess what we're now in? The presence of the Father in our new body. <laughs> The inner man's been cleaned up, so now we have no more need for reproof and correction. You follow? Paul's like, dude, if you just read Paul's epistles, you'll get this, and you don't need to have the study. Now, the last one in that list is instruction in what? You've got to have doctrine, reproof, and correction to have instruction in righteousness, and that's going to then run the whole gamut here 
because we add in the pastoral epistles. And what does he say? Look, you're in 2 Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3. Verse number 15, 1 Timothy 3.15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. There's the instruction in righteousness how to behave yourself, how to conduct yourself properly. You're going you're to build in the need for reproof and correction all the time. You're going to build that in. It's just the way life is. Now come back to Romans 1. So when he says here, guys, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. I want you set up. So I'm going to set you in with the foundation. And I'm going to set you in a foundation that's going to stabilize you it's going to cause you to function properly. It's going to cause the faith of God to be broadcast to all the nations, the obedience there in verse in 1626. According to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. I'm going to, I'm going to establish you guys. Now, again, I'll say this. Paul has been doing this since Acts 9. And when he learned the information... He's just writing this now in Acts 20. He's been preaching this all along the road and establishing churches and establishing believers. <coughs> How you know that is go read 1 Thessalonians. He says stuff you know, that he doesn't have to spend two chapters dealing with them. They already understand. Why? Because he's been teaching them this. He just hadn't written it down yet. You, okay? You guys okay? All right. You seen that movie about, or that commercial about something's better than sliced bread? You've seen that? You know, uh, it's not a movie. It was a commercial. And, you know, this is better than sliced bread. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, verse 12, 11, 1, or sorry, Romans 1, verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. That is, here it is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. That's fantastic. Come over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you all to be established. I want you to be firmly grounded. I don't want you to be shaken. I don't want you to be tossed to and fro. So that when we come together, there's a mutual faith here. And I'm not having to guess where you're at. I know where you're at. 1 Corinthians 1, notice verse number 10. To the Corinthians, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. What would we speak the same thing? What would that be? The doctrine. Now, we're going to say it differently. He's not talking about you got to repeat it verbatim the way I say it. But he's talking about the doctrine, the foundation of it. 
and that there be no divisions among you. If you're saying the same thing and the doctrine is the same, guess what will not happen? The divisions. Everybody cries, oh, you know, why is there so many divisions? <laughs> because we're not all saying the what? The same thing. We're not. You go listen to them. I listen to guys, and I'm like, huh? Where did that come from? <laughs> you know? I mean, guys that we would say, hey, yeah, they're a part of our circle, and, of, and, we walk, and I go, what? I look at some of the guys and what they're doing, and I go, why in the world are you doing that? I don't ask them that. I ask myself. It's a rhetorical question. Why in the world would you go over and have a meeting with a bunch of Baptist briders? Everybody go, huh, Baptist Briders, what's that? Well, that's, that's a group of Baptists that believe that you are baptized, you have to be water baptized by one of our preachers and be a part of our denomination to be part of the Bride of Christ. Problem is, is you ain't a part of the Bride of Christ anyway, so it's okay. You're the body of Christ, see. But see, the thing is, is why are you, so? when Paul says, don't have fellowship with that mess, well, we're reaching out, we're trying to help them. Paul says, no. I, I love that thing with Abraham and the rich man and Lazarus. Abraham says, they got Moses, let them read Moses. When, they, when he says, hey, send a guy back up there. <laughs> He's like, yeah, they ain't going to listen to a guy raised from the dead. They didn't with the Lord. So, anyway. So that we speak the same thing. Come over to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. When he says that you guys would have, we'd have a mutual faith. He's talking about we're speaking the same thing. We're in the same ballpark. We're on the same foundation. We're not drifted over. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 13. Now, by the way, let me just preface what I just said. If you got issues in there and you're learning, then come on and learn and get in with, you know, that's fine. He's talking about, hey, when I get down there, let's be on the same page. 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore, what? Speak. That's the issue, speaking the same thing, being on the same level, the same page. Come over to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 4. Titus 1, 4. To Titus, my own son. And here's the phrase, after the common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace, and so on. You see that issue of the common faith? faith. Paul's not talking about Christendom at large and that we all get together and all roads lead back to God. He's talking about, hey, I've laid the foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ, and we talk about Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. That's how we talk about Christ. So if someone's going to talk about Christ according to Israel's program, that isn't us, and we're to mark and avoid that if someone's going to talk about you're being saved by works which is whose program Israel's program guess what we don't we're not a part of that we come over here 
Okay, one more verse and we're done. Look at Colossians chapter 2. This is, this is in, again, if you simply read Romans to Philemon, guess what you see? You see this, okay? Problem is, is most of Christendom out there doesn't read Romans to Philemon. They get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They get the first seven chapters of Acts and then turn back to Matthew. Or jump over to the book of the Revelation and think the world's ending. Chicken little, here it comes. Okay? Look at Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So this is a walk of faith. Now watch. Rooted and what? Built up. In him. We've laid the foundation. We're in Colossians. We're building on that next level. And established. Isn't that interesting? Not E, established, but established. Permanent process in the faith. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Who taught you? The Apostle Paul did. I do, because I'm the human element right now, but ultimately, who taught you? Paul does. So when you come out of different groups or different denominations and you begin to see this and you go, wow, look at this, you know, why doesn't anybody else see it? Well, why didn't you see it? You, you answer that, I can't, okay? So then you see it and you go, wow, look at it. So you run over here and you're going to show everybody, and that's what you should do, by the way. The problem is, is what are they going to do with it? Nine out of ten of them are going to reject it. Because what does it do? It runs counter to what they've been taught until it doesn't work. What they've been taught doesn't work. And they ask the question, why isn't this working? Then they go, oh, yeah, I remember. What's his name over there told me something about a God not working that way today. And then they call you up and you go, holy cow, I haven't talked to you in like 10 years. <laughs> How can I help you? And then you help them. Okay? So in Romans 1, he's just, this is just introduction. What's amazing to me is this is just passing for Paul. I, we just spent 45 minutes on two verses. For Paul, this is just, hey, I, now I would not have you to be ignorant, brother. He's just moving on. Why? Because this is to be ingrained in us. Because we do what? We have that mutual faith. Follow that? All right, we'll pick up in verse 13 next, time, next week, okay? I hope. <laughs> Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we'll see you back.